BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welcome to Just The Sip. Okay, you guys, my next guest I met at a shoot for NBC show called Bring The Funny. She was a host of the show. I saw her HBO comedy special twice. I am obsessed with who she is as a person, who she is as an artist, and most importantly, who she is as an individual because there's no one quite like her. I'm gonna bring out Amanda Sales in a minute and I'm telling you right now, this woman will have you on the edge of your seats. Before I get into it, please welcome writer, songstress, poet, and successful actress. You forgot the one thing that I really actually am above all of those things. TV host. A comedian. A comedian. Oh, no, no. We're going to get there. Comedian. That's the first thing. Amanda Sales. I don't even care about the other shit. <laughs> Second woman of African-American descent to have an HBO special. That's a pretty big deal. And it's f***ed up that it's a big deal. Yes, it is. Because it shouldn't be that shouldn't. way. First of all, like, I'm... I'm a grinder. Like, I really work hard, and I'm really an authentic person, and I think to some people that is, like, to their chagrin, but I think it kind of ends up working for me in the places that really matter the most because all you need is one other person to, like, rock with that in the place of power, and you can cut through. I think that really is what annoys a lot of people about me. They're like, how is she still here? And it's like, because for all 13 of you that didn't rock with me, this one person sees what I'm about and had the power and put it to use. So many people are so for good reason, afraid to ask for what they want because they're afraid they're going to push people away or they're going to look needy or they're going to look thirsty or whatever, whatever. Um, I don't ask for what I want. I ask for what I feel I deserve. And that's the difference. And I think a lot of people aren't necessarily sure of what they deserve. They haven't really, like, asked themselves, like, well, what have I given to this? What have I... What is the peace offering? What is the... uh, donation, per se, that I've given to the universe to show, like, okay, I met you halfway. Like, give me my... Let's you do know? This. When I was going on getting my special, I it was put out there that it could happen. And then I just really like kept at it and kept focused and stayed focused. And when the opportunity came to speak to the person who provides this opportunity, I said straight up, oh, the person who doesn't want to buy my special. What's up? And they were like, we're going to buy it. Done. But it was like, I just, by that point, it wasn't me asking for it. It was like, you're losing out. 
Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, no, like, yeah, yeah. Because you had worked for it. Yeah, you had like, put in the time. You're coming to see me at a show that's sold out, and it's one of six sold out shows. Like, come on. So I think that sometimes, like, the realest ones, they don't look at that as, like, you being extra or you being demanding. They look at that like, oh, you know what's up. Let me see if I know what's up. And I think that makes some people uncomfortable, but the ones who are actually bad about it, they don't find that uncomfortable. They find that inspiring. Ooh, she has a gift for you. Give me that goddamn gift. Because this is this cover is rich. Thank you. I just des- I designed it myself. It's rich. Small doses, potent truths for everyday use. Now available at bookstores everywhere. My friend of mine said this is the second coming of the secret. For and real? by the way, let me let you know something. Let me let you know something. That bitch is no joke. I, I'm really thankful to her for, for feeling that way. And there's just been a lot of love for the book. We did not make the New York Times bestseller list out the gate, but we did make what I call the black girl bestseller list. Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> folks been tagging me and posting it. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I didn't want to just write a book of essays about these are my thoughts on things, you know, which I could have done, but I pushed myself to write something more intense. The hardest thing about this art thing is like you have it in your mind and then you gotta put it out there and you gotta just let it go. Like you don't know how people are gonna react. You, you, you just you can't, gotta. You can't think about how people are gonna react. You know, but what has been exciting is now getting to see people respond to it. Um, and so many of these ideas are things that have lived in me for so long and gestated and germinated and incubated. And so now to like be able to share them in a way. You gave birth to it. Mm-hmm. So it's been really um, it's been really dope. So please, you know, tell your friend and thank you for, yeah. for you guys enjoying it because I wanted it to be impactful. You're a very smart woman. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're very no BS. You don't have the filter that I feel like a lot of people in Hollywood have. Do you ever fear that that's gonna get in your way? Because I feel like yes, sometimes you have to but like. I, but then I, I, I recently like went through that. Like, and then I, I went through like a real dark place. And then I remembered like who I am, and I remembered that we don't know, like how we got here isn't necessarily how we stay here. Mm-hmm. You know, but what one of the things about how you got here was your ability to shift, your ability to you know, have consciousness about what's going on around you, your ability to have an awareness of yourself. So I had to look at myself and be like, okay, I know what's going on around me. I know myself. I have consciousness. And so I know how to shift to make this space more more palatable for yes. myself. And in that, in that fear-based space that you're talking about, you're just like, oh my God, like, how am I going to make it here being myself? And then you remember like, oh, I know who I am. Like, the way that I've made it everywhere is being myself because I'm not a dummy and because at the end of the day, I know what speaks louder than me is always going to be the craft. It's always going to be the art. It's always going to be... The talent. The talent. Always. Always. So, like, that ends up becoming back... That ends up coming back to the center point. Cheers to that. What was that dark space? What the hell happened? There was a whole, like, Emmy party, you know, BS that went down and then there was a lot of, like, backlash that came out of it that I was not expecting and... It was just like this very strong negative thrust that came from a direction I did not expect. Like, it came from all sides. It didn't just come from, like, internet people. It came from... The people you were close to. Peers and people I was close to, yeah. And so that was kind of jarring for me. And also, like, I think I had just mis... I just underestimated the fact that, like, I'm not just in L.A. anymore. I'm in Hollywood. It's a different... But, okay, hold on. It's different. Speak on it. Because people don't understand 
Because when you meet somebody in L.A., it's different when you meet them four years later in Hollywood. Yeah. It's a whole different beast. People are like, L.A. is phony. And I'm like, L.A. is great. No. Hollywood is phony. L.A. has nature and mountains and traffic. And, and boba. Yes. And, and yoga. And green juice. And canyons. <laughs> and keto. Oh, my God. Like, all of it. And Priuses. And so many Priuses. But what does Hollywood have? Hollywood has... What does Hollywood have? If you don't say it, I'm going to say it. Well, it has a lack of integrity. Mm -hmm. It has greed. Um, and it has an opportunism that fuels everything. So if you don't move in that currency, you feel like, how can I operate here? Because I'm in yeah. a, it's like I'm in a country without, and I didn't have, and I didn't exchange my money. Yeah. And they don't accept dollars. Like, right? that's what it feels like. And so then it becomes a mind f to figure out, like, well, how do I maneuver here but like I had and, and Hollywood has just people who just operate from such a base of just it's all self it's all self it's all self it has lies it just has it just has such a film of phony but was that the first time you ever ran yes! into the film yes 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 I can't believe, believe it, that baby. you've been in this jam yet you've been in this bubble for that long and it was the first time but that's because a hard hit it's a hard hit because I've been known but I haven't been famous yeah. And I hadn't done stuff like on such a high level. Like I've done a lot of stuff, but like you do a special with HBO, that's like a different level. You do a show with NBC, that's a different, different level. level. You're on another season of Insecure, we're on season four, that's a different level. You know, like I'm even my tour, even Smart, Funny, and Black, like we've done shows, but we did a bus tour this year with Live Nation and AEG. It's a different level. We're doing venues with, we're doing the Kennedy Center. It's just everything elevated in such a way. And to be perfectly frank, like it doesn't always happen in real time with you fully understanding like the elevation. Amen. You know, so you're having to experience that like in real time in front of people. And, you know, if I'm being frank, like I'm a thug, you know, so. Oh, when I read that, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I wish I was at that door because I already know. But I, to be perfectly frank, though, I wasn't even thugging at the door. You were thugging the next day. Yes. I was just keeping it a buck, but I just mean I'm a thug in the sense that like I'm not gonna be sweetie just to make you feel good about hurting me. Yeah, because it's weird. But that's an LA, that's a Hollywood, Hollywood way. weird thing because there's that power thing where people almost want you to be submissive, and it's not even necessarily the actual person; it's the people it's, around it's them. The energy. That's what Hollywood ends up really feeling like. It's just an environment a lot of times that makes you feel like you have to move a certain way, and there's a lot of people that uphold that environment, you know. And I know that I'm somebody who. I have been very, very, very blessed and fortunate to have met people in this town, though, who see me and who understand that, like, people like me who cut through the BS, like, we're needed for this to stay up. Yeah. We're well, needed. that's the thing. That's the thing. And I want to know, because obviously you're out of the dark place now, what was it like going back on that set after all that had happened? I think people are really, honestly, very involved in the soap opera of things and... A lot of that has nothing to do with the reality of things. Yes. Like, it was, there was no, nothing. nothing. <laughs> like, because it's professional. You, well, also, like, what you're talking about, like, about all that had happened, like, they weren't involved in anything that had happened. Yeah. Like, that was a lie that was made up by the media. I never said that. I never said they were involved in anything. Yeah. I literally never, I never said that. So, that was something that was created just because it was, 
oh, let's create this thing to make this seem more sensational, to get more clicks. Forget that it's actual real people and it can affect their lives and their jobs and their and livelihoods, their mental, their mental health. Like, forget that. Let's get these clicks, though. But in reality, it was fine. We work together. We have been on a show for four seasons. It's a job. And people also don't understand that about shows. Like, it's work. We're going to work. It's not Best Friends Club. But sometimes it is Best Friends Club and sometimes it's Coworkers Club and sometimes, like, you know, even at Best Friends Club, you have arguments and you work it out. Like and you got the one bitch you can't stand. You know, sometimes at Coworkers Club, it's, you know, we come together to support each other. Like, at, at the end of the day, like, are we, we're not, we're on set singing musicals, okay? Yeah. Like, we're on set laughing because it's a comedy. Like, I have no, <laughs> I, I, if I have beef with somebody, y'all know. It's out. I, you know, I'm going to so let you know. It, but, but my thing is like, there are so few black shows. There are far too few mm. for us to even attempt to try to create dissension in the one that is actually like at the forefront right now. I mean, yes. You know, so I like totally I agree. have, I, and I would, I would not do that lightly. I would never attempt to just like casually um, disrupt in such a way unless I really meant it, which is why I did not do that because I do not mean to do that because it is not actual. And the purpose is bigger than the, than the lie. Yeah, the purpose is always. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Okay, we had a conversation off camera before where we talked about that how was the media. That was an off camera conversation, so but why we talked are you about how. But no, I'm gonna bring. What I'm gonna bring up is no. What I'm gonna bring up is, and let me give you. Let me give you the full. Let me give you the full before you say it. We were just talking in general about how the media lied. Now you have experienced it firsthand on this new level that you're at. Yes. Are you regretting getting to that level? And are you now more prepared when you get to the next? Because the next level is coming. I'm not regretting by any means. I'm I'm just ready. I needed this to happen. It's annoying, but I needed this like this like space to happen because if it didn't, then the next level that we're going to, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't last. And that's what happens to so many folks that we see. You know, like they, they don't even get to the next level because the it, first level ate them up. It ate them up. And like, I'm very fortunate that I have real friends. Like I have real friends and I was able to actually voice to the people that I felt like weren't holding me down. Like, I need you to hold me down. What's up? You know, and they were receptive, you know, but and I have a therapist, you know, and I have people that also understand the business I'm in. So it doesn't feel like I'm talking to myself. Um, cause that's the other part of it too, right? You can feel so alone about like, if you're talking to people that have no understanding of like what this is, like yeah. you can feel like, Oh, but you, why would you have anything to complain about? You're in Hollywood, you're living your best life. And it's like fair, like I'm getting to do my passion, but there's also this conundrum that happens when it's like, damn, in order for me to do my passion, I also have to get like eaten alive and you don't want that. No yeah. one wants that. So I would, I would say that I don't regret it by any means. Um, 
I just, I wish that I wasn't so naive. Yeah. It's, but, but no more. Not no more. Not no more. I changed this year. This year changed me. No, and, but what I like about it is like you changed for the better, but you didn't lose who you were because part of why I loved you and why I continue to stand for you is because you talk about things that people are so uncomfortable talking about, which is race and rape culture and sexism and all those things. In the cancel culture, do you ever get afraid to speak your mind? I'm not afraid of talking about things. I'm more so, um, be, I'm just more so hyper aware of the fact that like at this point in my career, I've gotten to a point where like, <laughs> I used to think I was just saying things because you know, it's just a thought. And yeah. now it's like, it's a statement. People are really prone to using your words as bullets to shoot you with. Yes. You know, like anything I say these days ends up becoming like, it could be fuel for a whole story. Yeah, but it also could be fuel for change. No, fair enough. I'm just saying that I have to have a consciousness about the fact that what I used to think I was just saying off the cuff yeah. is not like, I might be saying it off the cuff, but somebody else might be like, it's gold, Jerry, it's gold. We're going to run this 75 times yeah. in 18 languages. And we're going to change the meaning of it completely and then do a two and a half hour YouTube live video about it and make it sure make sure it has nothing to do with anything <laughs> she actually talked about. Like, you know what I mean? That's why I hate that because <laughs> I feel like we're losing all those unfiltered moments and we're losing all that. There's two you tweets. Do? Yes, I feel like we're losing from it. Me? Not from you, I'm saying in general. Yes, oh, you are because we have to be more conscious. So now I feel like that's why that's why like it's more important for me to like do stuff like this, right? Like where I feel like I'm in a space with somebody who cares about their space, right? Yes. And we're on an actual platform and like I can there's somebody for me to call if you do me dirty. Like <laughs> They're over there. Run up on me. Like, but her name is Vanessa. It's 556. You know, like. I'm like, get the white bitch. <laughs> She's like, where get are you? Get the white bitch. Like, I mean, these are the kind of precautions that you have to take. But also, if we want to look at it in a positive light, when we get to see like stock footage of like Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, uh, Nikki Giovanni, Maya Angelou, Toni Morrison, we didn't have social media. So whenever they were speaking, it was always in a in a, controlled, in a environment. controlled environment. And it made their words that much more um, elevated and effective because it wasn't just being thrown away. Like they knew that I'm gonna be on this show and I gotta make sure that I'm very curated and conscious with what I'm saying. And the people on that show also were doing the same thing. You get to a point where you start to realize like, if you want your words to hold that same value, you need to value your words in the same way and yes. you can't throw them away the way that, that it makes it so easy to do on, on social media. Social media makes it so easy to just have a lack of economy with words. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't think about it that way. It's just blah, because everyone's just spewing, spewing, spewing. And so when you start to have a certain level of like, well, how, how, do, I, how do I want my words to be used? How do, I want, how do I want my words to be viewed? You start to realize it's not about talking less as much as it's just about talking uh with more power. Oh, power, awareness, awareness. Yeah, it's less like don't splinter the laser. Go right in there. Refine it. And I feel like sometimes in our culture, and I always tell this to people Which in in Hollywood, okay, or in just in Hollywood in the world in general. Fair. I tell people all the time, white, black, gay, you know, all of it. We don't pick one message. You know, Martin Luther King had a message. It was equality. I think forty five got her. That's how he got elected. They picked a message. They picked a message. 
But it's just so crazy that like in Hollywood, people don't just pick a message to like spread. It's like seventy five thousand. Well, Hollywood 000. is not. Well, be, uh, can I chime in? Yeah, go ahead. Because Hollywood's message is already picked. Let's get this money. Yeah, that's the message. So it becomes up to you on how you want to try to get your message in in that space, right? And many have tried in different ways. Um, Hollywood, for all intents and purposes, I think does try. Like we've had times up. You know, like there are moments where like there's a groundswell that says like we won't stand for this. You know, like even with the election, there was a groundswell of like, okay, we're going to try and like rally around I mean, yes. Obama. We're going to rally around, you know, but when it boils down to it, it's a lot of different people from all different places that don't necessarily have the same uh, goal outside of let's get this money. Yeah. Right. Is your, yeah. Now in the black community. What integration and what desegregation and what um, just an, an even more access to economic spaces and to educational spaces, what it's done is it has uh, just really created so much more of a dichotomy amongst the black community in terms of our I agree groups, with that. right? Yeah. So like back then, there was a lot more sameness going on in terms of like economic status and access to rights. Yes. So there was a, I feel like there was an easier access to a specific message because there just wasn't that many bifurcations, right? Like all of us can't vote. Yes. Now it's like, well, some of us can vote. Some of us are in states that we can't vote. Some of us are in states where we're being gerrymandered. Some of us are in states where, you know, you're disenfranchised because you, you have a felony. Some of us are in states where not. So like there's just. So much inequality all over the place. And at the end of the day, it's like, I don't even necessarily would say if I would say that there's so much inequality in terms of like. There, there's inequality in the sense that, like, we're not all living the same black experience in the way that I think we had a lot more sameness in the 60s, yes. in the 50s, in the 40s that was binding us by community, which is why I feel like we have such a hard time at this point in really establishing community directives because we don't have so much, we don't have as much of a shared experience of blackness. And so I my show, you. Smart, Funny, and Black, it really seeks to use humor and music to remind us that, like, we still do have a sameness and shared experience that we need to uphold in order to empower each other. Damn, I love you. I know that we're not, I mean, we're on E just a sip and we've no. ended up no, at no, a rally. No, no, we are everywhere. We ended up at a rally, it. I love but. It. I love it. <laughs> you brought up something that I want to touch back on. I love this hand. You know, yeah. <laughs> because I always got to go back to what we get on. And you said a word that I don't think that I was privy to when I was younger or that, you know, when I do say it in my family, it's like, oh, no, no, it's the most uncomfortable word. But therapy oh, yeah. is the It really is. I talk about it in the book. Small doses, potent juice for everyday use. Now available in bookstores everywhere. What has therapy done for you? And as a child or as a teen, did you have the same experience as me where we don't talk about therapy, that's not what we do type situation? Because a lot of families, black, white, Latina, that's just not part of their culture. Are they part of their well, situation? Well, my mother is from from the Caribbean, so that's also not a Caribbean thing either. Like therapy, it's kind of like thrown at you like a diss. You need therapy. Yes. And you're you need like, to see a therapist. Then get me one. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes, because you driving me crazy. Yes. Right now, you're uh, my last damn nerve. I am this close. I was a crazy child. How? I just have rage. But where did it stem from? Well, one, I'm from the Caribbean. That so yeah, my grandmother's from the Caribbean. That, that. So and then knowledge. 
I just always knew too much. It was a curse. It's a gift and a curse, yes. You just know too much. And it's like, you know more than you are allowed to express. And that just builds up, you know? Or you know more than people want to acknowledge. Yeah. You know? And then you just be like, ah! You know? And, you know, and then... And then one morning your mother asks you to cook the cat to, to scoop the cat litter and you're just like, I've had enough! I'm done. And then your sketcher goes through the wall. You know, like these are <laughs> 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 your fing giant platform sketcher puts a hole in the wall, you know? And she looks at you like, really? You but know? When did you learn how to like take that rage and put it into something else? Because I feel like that's well, I think what... when I went to college. Um, I think when I went to college. I was able to... And where'd you go to school? I went to SUNY Purchase for undergrad, mm -hmm. and I went to Columbia for grad. Yes. And particularly at Columbia, there was a very, like, the culture was, in the Institute for Research in African American Studies, the culture was, we have to learn the past so that we can be a part of adjusting the present for a better future. And so just, like, purpose, you know, like being able to, like, have somewhere to put my rage and my knowledge and my excitement and my enthusiasm and my art, et cetera, like, in a purposeful direction, you know, I think that was very, very important for me to, like, just kind of getting that out. Yeah. You know, if you're a true, if you're a true artist, like, you just got rage, like, you, because it's like, you. Got you. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, like, as, and then I think the, the other turn of that corner was becoming a comic. You know, and being able to like, like make people laugh, you know, like, but like using that, using that in a positive way. Yeah. And I think that's why like a lot of people look at comics and like, why are y'all so dark? And it's like, because we are, first of all, we're hyper aware and it's just tiring being hyper aware. Like I feel everything more than everybody else. That yeah. It's exhausting. It's annoying, but it is also fruitful. Yeah. I'm an empath, and I didn't learn that until I was 22. What sign are you? Scorpio. I'm a Cancer. That's why we get along. Yeah, super Scorpio. So I'm an empath. It's, it's very, a lot. It's a lot. It's a it's lot. It's a lot. And it's so, um, it's funny because even when you know it. You can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. And you forget it. And then you're like, oh, I've been in this black cloud because Claudia, my sweet mate, has been on a period for the last two weeks like and I'm she's literally been bringing my ass down that right now it's just like, like i'm in someone else's cloud right now that's the thing we get in other people's clouds and it's so funny like being this way but i remember dating my first boyfriend and he told me that he's been seeing a therapist since he was 13 years old i was like did your parents know it was a total white boy he goes yeah they like he got, may have been an epstein he, like, he, he was totally he was like, like greenberg Jewish. greenberg <laughs> like so he got so for, his, for his bar mitzvah he got, got a therapist, therapist. Okay. and he was like yeah I've been seeing him forever and like I love it and, blah, blah, blah. and I was like yeah that's not like really like you know we sweep things under the rug like I started my first day of college like the day I buried my dad like it was like a lot of like that I hadn't unpacked and I judged him I was like ooh really until I sat in a fucking chair it took me a couple tries. Oh no. The first therapist I went to, I was just like, how does this even work? Like, I just talked to you and now I left and you didn't give me anything to think about when I left. So I thought it was more like I thought it was more like application based. Like, hey, I've talked to you and you're gonna say, here are some things I want you to think about when you're gone. Cause I was like going through something. Yeah. And I was like, so that's just it? I'm just Is that to, it? Like I just leave now. 175 for that? Right. So you just out the gate found a therapist and, and rocked with it? So for me, I felt like on a personal level, 
I felt like I came from a family where you couldn't talk about things openly. So, so nice. a yes. lot of things I was I was holding. Like in 2005, um, I graduated high school. I lost my best friend. I started college. My dad died. Jesus Christmas. Um, Hurricane Katrina hit. I was in New Orleans. What? And my grandmother died all within six months. And I gained a gang of weight. How are you even here? I, I know. I know. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. But and you were in school? I was in college. It was my first semester of college. Where at school? At LSU. I was at Tulane first, and then I transferred to LSU because the hurricane was coming. I don't do weather. The black weatherman said, get the f out. I was like, yo, I'm listening to you. Because every other white dude was like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. How are you doing now? So, no, I'm great now. I've worked through it. That's but it so was much, therapy babe. that got me through no, the I'm whole thing. Cry. No, That's no, so don't cry. It's a lot. It's a lot. But to be honest with you. And how I'm, did you get through that? I'm going to tell you how, I'm gonna, how I got through it. And this is what I'm going to tell you about your dark place. Anytime, so anytime I go through something hard, anytime there's a moment where I think this is not worth it, I always say it can't be any worse than 2005. Baby, it can't. <laughs> it can't be any worse. Like literally, than 2005. unless you just like were a part of the Rohingya tribe and you had like a full genocide going on. Like I literally don't know how you got through that, baby. I'm so happy you're here. It's but and I think thriving, I'm here. And they give you alcohol for free. No, like, they give me alcohol you really for free. Came out on top. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you this because I truly believe it, and they all know this. I always want people on this show that have a message and that I'm doing this because I want your message to get out. But I also want you to remember whenever you do get to that Oprah moment, when you are at that that conference, at that TED talk with two billion people, and I come up to you and I say, I need that interview. <laughs> I'm going to say, remember 10 years ago when we were talking and I went through 2005? Yeah, but you're funny. You know what's so funny about that statement is you're assuming that you're not going to be there on the panel moderating. No, no, but I feel like you're like, I feel like you figured you figured it out enough and there's still that moment in me that I'm not sure, but you're so sure about yourself. No, I and am your talent. not. Yes, you are. I'm just not corny. Yeah. I'm just not corny. That's what you don't understand. Like, so many of these people are just corny. They wasn't f***ing in high school and they still mad about it. <laughs> Like, I'm cool with the fact I was flat-chested in 15. Like, yeah. I'm fine with that. Like, that's the thing. I just know myself. It's not that I am so, like, sure. I just know me. Like, and a part of knowing me is knowing that sometimes I'm not really sure right now, but that's okay. Like, but a lot of people are so unwilling to just admit that to themselves that they put on this facade and it really is just corny. Yeah. They're just corny. Like, they, they're all trying to impress somebody that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so it's like, that's what you're seeing. You're just seeing somebody who ain't trying to impress these nobodies. Because I feel like if we could all really just like, get from an early age really taught to like take take pride not ego but take like pride in like like finding out who we are and yeah. loving that you know like and i don't and, and here's the thing i think there's a lot of work that is like trying to be toward that you know like in yeah. terms of like like body love like loving your oh, body for sure. and no, no. but i think a lot of times it's always positioned against an oppressive factor right so it's like 
love your blackness because fuck white bullshit. Love your love your you know love your body because fuck fat shaming. Bitches. You know what I mean? Right? Like yeah. love your skin because fuck light skin bitches. Like it's always juxtaposed against an other. When, when you really, should just love yourself. It doesn't. Like my whole my revolution is not about shutting down white bullshit. My revolution is about empowering black love. Yes. I don't have. I, I really like. I acknowledge it because it'll be like this is stupid. But that's not where my energy is. Like my energy is like no, like, like love in here. If we if we have just more internal love, like that that really is where it comes from. So you're just looking at somebody who's not corny. Yeah. But and and, and even when I have like awkward stuff and nerdy stuff, like I don't feel like I have to be cool all the goddamn time. I don't feel like I have to have swag all the time. Like that's the part that you're seeing. And that makes other people uncomfortable because we are constantly being told that we have to present a certain way in order to achieve certain things. And it's just not true, it's a lie. Did you come out the gate with that mindset though? I believe so, yes. I feel like I got here with that. I feel like I was seven when I got here. You I were like, I know myself. At seven, you knew that shit. I literally, my mom always says me that, like, I came out the womb like, what y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, that I was, like, making sure there was diversity in the room. <laughs> yeah, you were like, you know, like what's I, up? She's like, you came out the womb like, you literally, she's like, you came out eyes open. Like, your eyes, like, you watched the, vagi the vaginal canal on your way out. She's like, you came here with a full head of hair, like, and let's begin. <laughs> Did it take you guys a while to get to a place? Because I know my mom wanted to kill me. I think we like just got there. <laughs> Legit. I'm 33 years old. I'm like working on getting there. Because I feel like when you're such a, and I want to say hard-headed because that's what precocious. they called us, precocious. precocious. When you're a precocious child and you're different, I was gay and black <laughs> in an all-black community all in South things. Louisiana. I know I had a lot of rage about being gay. I know I had a lot of rage about not being masculine enough in the black community. I know I had a lot of rage about not being rich enough for the white kids. And a lot of the times I went home and I blew up. So much to where I moved out of my house at 15 and I was independent. Jesus Christmas, what else? So what I'm saying is, <laughs> it just took my mom and I a long, like a while for us to get back to a place where we were, where we were okay. Are you at that place yet? And did you have the same experiences where you just didn't see eye to eye and that person just couldn't let you fly enough? My mom, like, wasn't, she didn't spank me, you know, but I just was argumentative. Like, I just always had things to say. And I think for my mom's sake, she was low-key annoyed because it was like, damn, like, she's making sense, you know? But like, it's also it. like, I don't want to hear that. At 11, I distinctly remember the day that this happened. I had these UNICEF calendars, and I decided, you know what, I need to start writing what I've done every day on the calendar because I'm going to be a noteworthy person, and people are going to want to know how I got here. <laughs> like, I remember decisively saying that to myself, like... And so I need to let them know that I went to Turkey Lake Park today and went to the pool because they're going to want to know. They're going to want to know. Like, who does Amanda. that? Like, and so I always knew, I, I wouldn't say that I fully understood myself. I just always understood, like, you want some other shit. Something bigger. Yeah, like, you're, you're on some other shit. And my mom always knew that, too. And, you know, I always had, like, 
I was very, very fortunate that I feel like even maybe more so than in your community, I had people who like made it their business to be like, you're different and you need to know that and yes. love yourself for that. And, you know, so I had a lot of encouragement. I've always felt like there may be some value in me even like getting a test to see if I'm possibly on the spectrum in a certain way. Because I think there were certain things that like I just reacted to so strongly yeah. that always felt like, damn, that was a bit extra, you know? And as an adult, I'm like, it's still a bit extra. Um, but that being said, like... Yes, I definitely had a long journey and it's continued. Like, I know that I will always be misunderstood by most. As long as you know that. And that is okay until sometimes it doesn't feel okay. And then I got to like deal with it not feeling okay until I get to the next time where it's okay again. We love you here. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you so much for being here. And you guys, small doses, potent truths for everyday use. Get that shit. And you know what? Wait for that audiobook to drop because I kind of want to I want to listen to it from your voice. You know what I will say like I'm really proud of like just getting the opportunity to make a very unique visual experience book-wise as well as an audible experience. Like buying the book and hearing the book are going to be two different because as I've been reading it, I'm like, God damn, it feels like a Malcolm X tape. <laughs> like, I'm saying some things in this book. Like, I literally reading it has felt like a different experience because the content of it once I voiced it is resonating differently within me and I did not anticipate that at all I thought I was gonna read this book right gonna add some you know some little sound effects and, yeah and call it a day you are something special and there's something coming it's gonna be so big it's gonna be so up. like bitches are gonna hate that's how good it's gonna be <laughs> and I I want you to make this promise on this show that when it happens, that you will come back here because I know it. I'm telling you. Baby, I come back anywhere I'm loved. Right oh, now. cheers. Cheers. I love you. Love Thank you, you so much. Sign my book, please. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do this more often. I need to break the wall mm -hmm. because Hollywood and Los Angeles are honestly two different things. And it's interesting to get someone's perspective who just freshly went through something where Hollywood tries to eat you up mm -hmm. and you come to the realization that you're in two different places because a lot of people don't realize that until it's too late. What I thought was such an incredibly powerful statement, and let's be honest, we work in entertainment news. We're part of the media, yeah. which I think with social media and all of that where she was saying that now you're in a place where people can use your words as bullets to shoot you. I thought was such a powerful it's insane. statement. And it's so true because like everyone's a journalist and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and everyone has their soapbox and people can say whatever they want. Yeah. And then everyone's left fishing through trying to actually know what the facts are. Yeah. It's such a different time in our society and a dangerous time because everything is, it's not instant. so black and white and everything's instant and you never know really what the truth is. For sure. And you know what, you know, I'm proud that I work at a place where we do the fact check. We, we do, do yeah. need sources. We aren't just putting things up that we hear from X, Y, and Z. We do send the people to the, to the premieres and the parties and we want to know the real scoop. But I know that there are those outlets out there, a lot of them, lot most of them, of them yeah. that don't do that. Yeah. This show is exactly for what happened today. It's for you to come and tell your truth, mm -hmm. for where you to kick back. There was a moment there where she was like, wait, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You can't go, no, no, we talked about that. And she was like, I'm like, no, no let me finish. We're right. gonna go there. I but loved that, yeah. It was just a moment. Like I feel like this show 
is a safe space for people to really come and say their full thoughts because celebrities don't get there anymore. They don't. They don't get to tell their side of the story. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, like, listen, this is it. And you know what? For you guys out there who heard my side of this, part of my story today, like, it's a conversation. And what a special, beautiful heart she is. Her natural, true reaction to even just a glimpse into your story showed me, like, what a big... Yeah. heart she has do you know what i mean like you don't just tear up and cry for nothing yeah unless you she's a real deep yeah, real she's deep empathic soul. no yeah. she's empathic yeah you know what's so funny it's like i don't know if i'm just so numb to it you know i had to forgive a lot i had to forgive myself for some things so for me i can't cry about those things because i got through them right you they're know what part I mean? of your story they're, they're part of my are. story and they yeah. made me who yeah, i am of course. and guess what i can't be mad at the kids who made fun of me for being different because I knew if they didn't and I was comfortable in that space and I was comfortable with being where I was, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have came here. I had yeah. to be uncomfortable in my life. I had to be uncomfortable in my skin. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, I... This girl's uncomfortable. Yeah. Was uncomfortable at no. a long... And she found her comfort. She found a way to make that uncomfort into a career and into a, a place and a space for people to talk and laugh and have conversations. That's what Small Doses is about. Very true. And I like, even when you guys were talking about like the differences in the black community and how, when she was talking about the community now and the differences of community versus right. like in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and as the white bitch in the room, also like learning, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love, <laughs> I love those called the white bitch. That's me. <laughs> Hi, everybody. That's me, Vanessa, the white bitch. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I also love hearing these conversations and learning about the dichotomies in the different communities and even just like the same things that you guys went through as children, but also so different. We were you know? in two different spaces. Which I think is every person's story, but being able to hear these stories through different levels is... But also, not only to hear them, but to want to understand them yeah. and be empathetic to them, it's the jam, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, I think for myself, working here and working in this space with people that I grew up differently from, in my eyes, when I do this podcast and when I hope people listen to them, that they just understand that we're giving them a story and we just want to tell our side. Mm -hmm. And whether it's about race, about sexual orientation, about drugs, about whatever, there's always two sides to every story. And you know what? You might not connect with every story, right. but guess what? Every story is interesting. Yeah, but you're also being educated, right? Because race and all that comes from ignorance. 100%. And not knowing. So the more you can listen to these stories and you can learn to understand other people's stories, educates you and hopefully evolves you as a person. Yeah. By the way, this was the scariest one for me to do. This was the scariest, just to say, for me to do because she's so elevated right. in the way she thinks. Yeah. I'm so happy I did this because I had to level up myself. Yeah. Because I'm coming to the table with somebody who's not afraid to go there. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And to watch this interview, you can go to the E! News YouTube channel and click on Just The Sip. Follow me at The Lady Sitter on Instagram and Twitter. Tell me what you liked about this podcast. Tell me what you didn't like about this podcast. I will see you guys next week for another Just The Sip. <laughs> <laughs>